Will you come to the Eiffel Tower with me, Miss Seymour? Henry, I've climbed the pyramids with you. I have no intention of ascending the, the dizzying heights, heights of the, the Eiffel, Eiffel Tower. Tower. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Indiana Jones Universe, a podcast in which we learn more about the character of Indiana Jones, exploring other content, in the Indiana Jones universe. As always, I'm Will. And I'm Max. And welcome back to episode two, in which we're continuing our exploration of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, chapter two, Passion for Life. Uh, hopefully you had a chance to listen to our first episode, My First Adventure, uh, which we explored episode or chapter one of the Young Indy Chronicles. Um, yes. Another thing we wanted to mention uh, is that uh, we are going to be doing the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles uh, probably for the first four episodes. So we'll probably be back in a few days with The Perils of Cupid and Travels with Father, the next two chapters in the show. And then we'll start kind of branching off, talking about some other things. Uh, but we wanted to kind of nail down these first four episodes first because we felt like they kind of go together and they'll give us a nice basis uh, for learning more about Indy. Um, so with that said, let's jump right in to Passion for Life. Yes. Uh, the first thing I noticed when I looked at this episode is uh especially for us indie fans is we had uh no narration this time yeah and so we had kind of the landscapes of africa we're in british east africa which is modern day kenya by the way mm -hmm. this is 1909 and we had these landscapes with um basically all of the credits rolling and you see all these different landscapes these animals and so that's kind of what we see for the rest of the show um, we don't really have this narration like we did in My First Adventure. And the first thing that came to mind when I was looking at the credits, Paul Freeman was in the credits. And for those of us indie fans, we know that that is Belloc in Raiders of the Lost Ark. So he's actually appearing in this one. Yes. Uh, he's appearing as Seleuce. Is, is that what we decided? I don't know what his, I don't know how you pronounce so. his name, but he was a small character in this one. And actually, he's going to reappear in one of the later episodes as well. Um, but yeah, he was Seleuce. I think he was, was that the other hunter, I believe? I believe so. He was working with Teddy Roosevelt when they were, you know, hunting and things like that. Um, yeah, Paul Freeman was in this episode. Uh, and so you'll notice that as we go through the episode, you'll notice some other actors, uh, from other things, such as Star Wars too. There's a lot of Star Wars actors that appear, so we'll notice that as we continue going through. Um, but yeah, so this was kind of an interesting episode, um, as we kind of began. And then we get to this basically area in which uh, Indy's father is going to be um, we're, we're kind of in the middle of Africa. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I also want to step back a oh, little yeah, sure. bit. Uh, as they're coming in and they're on the train and they're showing the beautiful uh, landscape, I really liked the music there. It was oh, very, yeah, yeah. very interesting. It wasn't like just instrumental music. They were, I think it they had was, some vocals as well, yeah. which was nice. Yeah, so the, the quality of music in this episode, we'll talk about this later in the podcast as well, uh, Lawrence Rosenthal, Joel McNeely, uh, Steve Bramson, Kurt Sobel, Frederick Talgorn, they all do a phenomenal job with the score. And what I really like, too, is like you mentioned here, Max, mm -hmm. uh, we have some other composers and some other uh, things. So like uh, J.S. Bach, uh, one of his pieces is featured in some of the episodes as well. And then we have this 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 one here. So uh, there's a nice variety of the, of the quality of tracks that we have um, for the episode. So we arrive at the camp, and um, 
we notice uh, Indy's father is being a bit naughty, and that's right. We see this resemblance in Indy as well. Oh yeah, we definitely do. Um, so uh, Indy's father goes to the shower with a cold bucket of water. Right, and guess who appears in there? It's Mrs. Jones. But then. <laughs> Mrs. Jones leaves the shower and Miss Helen Seymour. Oh, oh near. Oh, near. But when she was coming out of the shower, when Mrs. Jones was in there, I was like, wait a second. I don't think he's actually going to pour the water on Mrs. Jones. Something's going to go wrong. Right. And as soon as Miss Helen Seymour was coming up to the shower, I said, oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. And so, you know, and it's funny because I love how, how like, upset he gets at Indy for doing all this, like, wacky stuff, you know? And then he does And this. then he, he does the same thing himself. I thought that was so On funny. On his own tutor from when he was Oh, that's right, true. That's, that's keep in mind. That was right. only, he almost done hell. And then, you know, Miss Helen Seymour, what on earth are you doing? It's like, oh, gosh, here we go again. <laughs> uh, but, that, but that was funny. Yes. Um, and then, so, as that's going on, of course, Indy is uh, going, you know, searching the camp and... And then this this beautiful track plays that Lawrence Rosenthal gave us, mm -hmm. and Indy sees this boy. Um, he just sees this boy off into the di into the distance, um, and we kind of notice he always wants to explore. And at, you know he met Omar in the last episode, mm -hmm. um, and so um, he sees this boy, and at, he looks all, off into the distance of this boy, and, and he notices he kind of sees all these animals and you know the, the landscape and. After it's really that, beautiful. right, it's really beautiful out there. And then, of course, right then, President Roosevelt himself comes back. So this is one of the things that's that basically we were talking about this last time in, in the podcast. Um, that, that was one of the reasons George Lucas wanted to do this uh, show is so that Indy could experience real historical events with figures from the time period. And I will say, uh, I think the actor, I believe, I can't remember his name, um, but he did a really nice job as Teddy Roosevelt. And oh, so yes. <laughs> I thought that was interesting because you got to remember, like, okay, you know, it's historical fiction. But this is Teddy Roosevelt we're talking about right. here. And Indy got to meet him. So just thinking about, you know, Indy as he goes to the timeline and how it sh things shape off in the movies, that was cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, whoever played Teddy Roosevelt, he almost did it perfectly. Right. I mean, of course, we've never met him in real life. But right. I mean, I, we, we could just tell that... He seemed, I think he fit the role pretty nicely. Yes. He definitely did. Agreed. And so they're, they're coming, obviously, for for hunting, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting. And now, you know, that was an interesting choice that they had him meet Teddy Roosevelt in this climate and area and for hunting specifically, right? You wouldn't yeah. have thought he would have met, met Teddy Roosevelt, you know, on a hunting thing, but um, that was interesting. And so, you know, meanwhile, Indy's kind of experiencing this new culture. Um, and then... They're all talking about this discovery of the animal, this oryx. Yes. And I, I didn't, even, I didn't even know that was an animal. So that was kind of cool. And he, and he was showing them, and Indy was, you know, he's seated right next to Teddy right. Roosevelt, and he's looking through this journal thing. Is it oryx or orcs? I, you know, you might be it's orcs. Thank you for that. <laughs> Another English lesson for today. Yeah. Uh, I think it might be orcs here yeah, or orcs. Or, or, I, I don't or, know. Or, or orcs or. Forget about it. We have fun here. Yeah, fun right. Here. Anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway. We'll just refer to it as oryx or orcs. Right. Whatever mysterious animal lives in Africa. Right. Anyway. <laughs> right. And it, that was a cool animal. I'd never learned about that yes. before. It had the, it had those like, almost like stripes on its head, on yeah. its head or whatever. That was cool. And it had the horns. Um, and this is what I thought was cool. So as they're, you know, talking about this oryx, Indy learns how to shoot a gun. Yeah. Which, you know, we don't really see his revolver as much, but 
keep in mind, this is the first time... I, there was a lot of firsts in this episode. Oh, and, yes. And we'll, we'll save it for a little bit later. But Indy learned how to use a gun for the first time in this episode. And, I mean, th th that's saying something. You, right. you might not think much of it, but he uses the revolver later. Obviously, in the very famous anticlimactic scene in Raiders, he uses yeah. the gun. Um, so, so that was cool. And he, he learned how to use a gun from Teddy Roosevelt himself. Very interesting. I'd love to do that. Someday. I love that, yeah. Uh, well, that was cool. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I mean, to to I learn mean, from him. Who else, Who better to learn from but than a U.S. president? I mean, right. come on. There you go. <laughs> and so one thing I wanted to mention is, um, keep in mind, Teddy Roosevelt, actually, one of the things that he did um, in his presidency was he was really big on national parks. That was one of the things that he did during his presidency. So a lot of the national parks that you guys know today he was responsible for preserving those lands and making sure that they were not dug up or torn away or anything like that. So that was interesting because Indy kind of, you know, learned about how to contradict because they were hunting for the animals, obviously, and then we're also in this beautiful land. So, right. it, it, you know, it was the one side of it was, well, you know, this belongs in a museum, right? Teddy Roosevelt stealing right. Indy's quotes by this point. And then, you know, you have the whole point of Indy's like, well, we got to save the animal, let it live in the wild. So... That was pretty cool. And as you'll see later in the episode, they kind of balance on that both. Right, they kind of balance on, on it both. And then Indy gets the binoculars from Teddy Roosevelt. Yes. And to keep in mind, obviously, I, I was thinking about this, um, but there was actually a bit of a mistake in the show. Apparently, uh, when he gets the binoculars, obviously later, uh, he shows them to Meto. He meets the boy Meto. Mm -hmm. And... Actually, Meto holds the binoculars upside down. I did not notice this. I didn't notice it either. It that it was a small movie mistake. I just thought I'd bring it up in case any of you guys maybe noticed it while you were watching. But I thought that was pretty interesting that he noticed that, and you know, and and you know, this is this is the and when he's giving him the binoculars, this is the first time that we that Indy and Meto try to communicate. Yeah. And, I mean, Meadow doesn't speak very good English at all. Barely any at all, yeah. I mean, and as you'll see, really right at the end of the first part, mm -hmm. he speaks a lot better English than he did in the beginning. And I don't know if that was purposely that way or accidental. Well, I mean, keep in mind, they're, they're probably the same age, Indian yeah. Meadow. So, I mean, the fact that they were able to communicate like that, it's pretty powerful. Oh, yes. That's very. pretty powerful. And so... Um, India, of course, one thing I also noticed is that India doesn't really like learning, but he almost kind of likes exploring on his own. And one of the things that I thought, that this ep that one of the reasons that, that this episode I thought was pretty interesting mm -hmm. from a s historical standpoint, from an India adventure, though, I will say it kind of felt, fell off for me from my first adventure. I, I, when I watched my first adventure, I was like, this is going to be a really nice show, except for the fact that Indy says Jeepers Creepers and Holy Smokes. We are going past that now, just to let you know. Yeah. And then, so, but when I watched this one, I was like, mm, it kind of fell off for me. You know, I still obviously kept watching it, obviously, but it, it kind of fell off for me. And I think the reason, I figured this out when I rewatched this a few days ago, is I think the reason why is because Indy, Indy is very independent and what I what I think I liked from my first adventure mm -hmm. is Indy discovered things on his own. He discovered the jack lantern piece was missing. He right. helped Ned figure out the mystery. You know, whereas this one, 
he was kind of just following along. He was following along with Teddy Roosevelt. He right. did end up finding the orcs um, on his own. But then in the second half, of course, with the paintings, and so, I don't know. I just felt like it was more, it wasn't as more indie-driven as it no, was. No, it wasn't more independent. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Indie, independent. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm done. Um, we, we may have some more puns coming for you guys. Now, yes. now, that, now that you bring that up, we, we may come back with some more puns. Um, um, and so, yeah. Yeah, so then uh, Meto and Indy, they kind of go on a quest yes. to try to find this. And so Meto kind of understands what he's saying with the whole Oryx thing. And, you know, they try to communicate with each other. Um, and then uh, as they're going on the quest, they. Meto's like, you know, I know where that is. And they go next to this cave thing, and Indy sees a reptile. And he's like, what is this? In which uh, leads up to the movies. Where Indy is afraid of snakes. That's right. And a couple snakes, and he's like, ah, snakes! And right. basically runs away from there, I believe. And he's, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's completely crazy. Like, But oh, that was cool, yeah. because that was the first time where... Right. He saw the snakes. And if you guys have ever seen Last Crusade, I think this, I think that the scene in the beginning of Last Crusade actually happened before the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles because that's not where he becomes afraid of snakes. We already, he's already afraid of snakes in this scene. So I guess exactly. it's kind of so, like a sneak peek, I guess you could say. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, we, we have to keep in mind, it's a good thing you brought up Last Crusade because these, so... What, Passion for Life, the episode we're watching now, happens before the young Indy prologue in Last Crusade. Right. In in the, in the prologue, I believe he's 12 or 13, I believe. Something yeah. like that. And he is more 9, 10 years old now. So, you got this is the first time he's afraid of snakes. Yeah. And we mentioned My First Adventure in the, in the last podcast episode that he was afraid of spiders. Right. Which I thought was interesting. You remember that? They went to the temple. He was afraid of the spider. He was like, ah... You know, and then, first five minutes of Raiders, you know, uh, Satipo notices there's spiders all his back when they're inside the temple, mm -hmm. and he just brushes them off like it's no big deal. So, but well, I mean, that, but yeah, so he's obviously a lot more grown up then, but still. Sure, that's a fair point. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's no longer saying Jeepers Creepers in his sleep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the first time that he was afraid of snakes, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So once they see the snakes uh, where they were looking for the orcs, they run away and they find this man sitting under a tree who does not really speak English. But right. uh, from what Indy can decipher of what he's saying, basically, he says, there are these roots in the ground. Right. And where there are roots, there are orcs. Right. Or and keep in mind, like, Indy, like, doesn't even understand this guy. And they basically kind of use, like, hand signals and basically, like, Indy tries to figure out what these words mean. And Indy... This is why India is so good at speaking languages in the movies, and we mentioned this again in the podcast episode uh, a few days ago. But that's why he's so good at being able to figure out languages, is because he can just immediately figure out some of these words in different cultures and figure out what they mean right. instantly. So, I mean, after that, him and Meadow, I believe, go... I don't know if they go back to the camp or they go back to... No, they start searching for it. They start searching but for it. But back at the camp... Um, Everyone's worried because he's gone. Because Indy's right. gone yet again. We did, we did say Andy would run away last time, didn't we? We yes. did. We did say that, and here he goes again, and running off again. Once again, his mother's drama queen. Oh no, Indy's gone. I know. Or whatever gosh. she says. Well, oh, she's such a drama. You know what? 
Indy's mother is not a very good character when it comes well, to missing. Well, let, let's be on, let's be honest. I, I mean, Indy's mother is is quite an interesting character. She's necessary for the show. I will say that. Right. But yeah, she is a little bit dramatic. I will say that. And honestly, the character of Indy's mother, like, imagine if she was such a good character. Like, Indy the mom could be such a good character. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if you if 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 George Lucas, I, I feel like she's just kind of like off in the distance. Right. Like in my mind, Miss Seymour. Is it, more of a mother figure to Indy in this case. Kind kind of, yeah. And I would say Miss Seymour, I think, has m- more screen time to the point where I feel like their roles are reversed. Like, I would expect Indy's mother to kind of be in the Miss Seymour role and Miss Seymour to kind of more be like Indy's mom. You know what, right. I, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like just Indy's, Indy's mom just doesn't get enough screen time. It doesn't get enough importance in each of these episodes when I feel like, I mean, we don't really know much about Indy's mom. So right. I feel like to the point where like I, I what, still what, what, have questions about right Indy's... like even after these first two episodes like I'm like okay well Indy's mother is like she's a nice generous person she gets scared when Indy leaves all the time and you know <laughs> that's it you know right. I, I I just wish I knew a little bit more so we'll see what happens in chapter three the perils of Cupid so then at the camp they start searching for Indy and um they and Indy is searching for the orcs and he finds them and then they find Indy right. and basically. His mother is like, where have you been? And his father is very, very upset, upset with him. Indy. And he's like, no supper for you, Junior. Right yeah, to ju- bed. Just for the record, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm two for two right now in my attempts. I'm going three for three that he's going to run away again. I'm oh, going, yeah. I, I th- I'm going three for three on this one. I'm going three for three. <laughs> anyway, so he goes to bed, and then Meadow comes by his tent. And whenever Meadow is involved, there's always a runaway involved. So what... Look what have it, and right. he runs away with Meadow again. Right, he sneaks out of the tent and things like that. And he goes to uh, find uh, the root to see if he can see the orcs again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he finds the orcs at night. And right. Then... That root thing is interesting because they basically said, like, the root was kind of moving, and wherever the root goes, the orcs goes. So they find the, the root, of course, then they see the orcs. Indy comes back just in time for breakfast. Yep. And Teddy Roosevelt's like, I hope you're learning your lesson, son. And he's like, I have, sir. And then whips out his journal, the same one that uh, Indy's dad gave him. And I also find interesting, he's like, have you learned your lesson? And he's like, I have, sir. But he says that from the first time Indy ran away. So obviously he has not learned his lesson. That's true, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, And then he shows him the journal, and he's like, you know, then Roosevelt's like, you found the orcs? And then, you know, he says to, you know, Henry, or uh, Indy's dad, and he's like, you have a clever boy here. They all go out, and they see the orcs. Right. And Meto comes along, and so, as I we were mentioning before with this whole national parks thing and preserving nature, mm-hmm. um, you know, Teddy Roosevelt says, these belong in a museum for everybody to see. You know, speaking of which, I wonder if L- George Lucas put that in here just to kind of give a little bit of a spark as, as that where Indy got that line from because Teddy Roosevelt says this belongs in a museum for everyone to see I wonder if I wonder if George put that in there just, I, I just refer to him as George I'm like hi George <laughs> uh, so I wonder I wonder if Lucas put that in there uh, I wonder if that's where he want because like that's an indie thing you know it belongs right. in a museum I wonder if he wanted him to get that from Teddy Ro- I don't know Teddy Roosevelt um, but yeah so they get there and you know Teddy Roosevelt you know, wants to shoot them, put them in a museum, and Indy's like, bro, you just told me all that stuff about nature. You about to shoot them all? Right. So, you know, and then he runs, pulls down his gun just as they get a shot at him. And right. Teddy Roosevelt's like, 
Indy, what are you doing? And then he's like, you know what? You might be right. The the the, the wild would. I, he said something like, the wild would not su survive if you know all the orcs were gone. And right. So that's basically the end of the episode. Yeah. Or the the first half, excuse me. Yeah. And so, what do we think? The, the, this, I, this kind of. I think the first half was really interesting of this episode. It was nice. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting. He meets a lot of. He meets Meto and Teddy right. Roosevelt. And uh, after that, he leaves Kenya, and they're right. on a boat to Paris. Paris. So uh, <laughs> this is uh, Paris, 1909. Now, we notice here there's no age difference like the last one. In My First Adventure, of course, uh, I mean, the episodes are put together right? because they were all filmed at different points in time. So here, there's basically almost no age difference. Yeah, I mean, there's a tiny bit. Yeah, there's a tiny bit, but, but not, not as drastic as, as My First Adventure. So right. he's basically... Uh, the same age, and so they take a ship to Nice, France. Yeah, and that's where they get to that train station. Yeah, and Junior almost misses the train. The train starts moving. He's right. like, Junior, get on! Yeah, <laughs> Junior, get on the train. And so, uh, and, and we, and this is when we start seeing that European flavor that we were talking about. Yeah, there's there's very there's much. There's a huge European flavor. It was all shot there, um, in Paris. Um. And so on the train, they start talking about what they want to do, and they get to Paris, and then these right. brothers like, "I want to buy a dress," and we're like, oh, "Okay, really? here we go again. Here <laughs> we go again. We're right in Paris." And so, but then, uh, th this was a funny quote. Uh, Indy says, "I want to go to the Eiffel Tower," and he says, uh, "Nice Seymour, will you go with me?" And I quote, "Henry, I've climbed the pyramids with you. I have no intention of ascending the dizzling heights of the Eiffel Tower with you." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I thought that was funny. And Miss um, uh, Seymour, I mean, she also said that because before she's like, Miss Seymour, what do you want to do? I want to take a bath when we get to Paris. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of like, uh, I just want to relax. And then, you know, so something else I thought about is, uh, what do you think about the transitions between the two halves? Because, again, these were each 45 minutes long originally when these were made back in the early 1990s and when it was re-edited into... 22 hour and a half longs right I, th I thought the transition in this episode was much better than the it last felt one. much more natural didn't yes, it yes it felt much more natural i mean instead of like them just cutting it off and jumping into another episode they kind of faded it onto the boat which because right. we see them leaving kenya and they just fade onto the boat right so I thought that, that was pretty good yeah it was much more natural um and so the score was uh they did a really really nice job with the score as well oh, yes um i they did a really nice job. Um, and then the parents leave to go to a vineyard. And so this is where Miss Seymour and Henry get to kind of spend time alone. So we say. Yeah. Because guess who runs off yet again? Well, Indy. he doesn't exactly run off. They go to a puppet show. Right. Well, no, they go to the art museum first. Oh, right. They go to the art museum. They go to the art museum, the Louvre. And they see the Mona Lisa. And Indy's like, ha, ha, art. And then they meet, they meet a young Norman Rockwell. Now, before watching this, I actually didn't even know who Norman Rockwell was. Yeah, nor did I. I wasn't familiar with him, but he's he was very young. You know, I was curious, what age did you think Norman Rockwell was? I thought he was like maybe 15, 14. I was thinking something like that, too. That's what I was thinking, mm -hmm. because he, he could just go around Paris. And so I actually thought that he was kind of a nice accompanying character to Indy. Yeah, yeah. I, th I thought he, they kind of went well together. What did you think? Yeah, and he was like a, a, long, a young 10-year-old or whatever. Yeah. And Norman Rockwell was kind of his, I guess you could say, o 
older but kind of still share the same interest mentor yeah 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 so you know i I think it was i think it was good that they spent time together um and so they obviously they go see more paintings by edward degas Mm -hmm. who was another french painter at the time um and so uh and then of course they go to that puppet show and you know they're bored they're bored as hell yeah they try to cure indy of his boredom from looking at paintings yeah obviously it doesn't work but he tells miss seymour does can we save it the second one fine meet me back at the hotel i know i know you know what i love indy in some of these episodes because he's just such he just doesn't care. <laughs> and as soon as Miss Seymour leaves, he's like, okay, Norman, what do you want to do now? Right. And, he, and just, honestly, he's, he's, Indy is just, just such a character. Let's be honest. Yeah. He's I such mean, a character. And so, and, and that's, and that's kind of nice. Like, he, I feel like all the, Corey Carrier does a nice job of giving some of the same personality qualities that we see from Harrison Ford. But again, like I mentioned last time, this this on the one hand feels 100% like Indy and I would say Corey Carrier and Harrison Ford you know they, they share some similarities on the other hand I, I, this doesn't feel like Indy again and I, you know you could you could definitely watch the show without seeing the Indy movies oh yeah what, what, what do you think you can definitely because I mean technically I would be interested to see someone who would watch these before the movies because oh. it would be technically in Ooh. chronological order, just like if you watch the Star Wars in chronological right, order, not right. the way they came out, kind of the same thing. Yeah, if any of you have done that, I'd be curious. We'd be curious to know. So leave a comment below. Yeah. Uh, we'd be interested to know if you've done that. If you've never seen the indie films and only seen Young Indiana Jones, or you've seen the Young Indie Chronicles before watching the films, I'd be curious to know what your experience was like. Especially with like we're talking about like. Um, all of these things that we're hinting to, like seeing snakes for the first time, right. being scared of a spider in that first one, using the revolver. So, curious to know what, how your experience was if you did do that. So, make sure to leave a comment in the below. Um, yeah, and definitely. so, they go exploring all around France, and it's very authentic. Um, but one thing I did think about is, obviously, people speak English all over. But right. a lot of people spoke English in France, like, yeah. pretty well. So, you're like, okay, well. I know. I think it was still filmed in France, but I think... Parts of it were also a set. Uh, well, one of the things that I did learn, and uh, there's there's actually a website online. I think it's like Young Indie Locations at Google Sites or something. I don't know. But if you're interested in, you know, like traveling around the world, if that's something you do, um, I know this sounds something an indie fan would definitely do. But if you have time, um, and if we'll you want... We'll put a link in the description of the site. Yeah, yeah. And if, and if you want to uh, go travel somewhere, of course... What a better way to spend your vacation than visiting some of the Young Indy locations. Because remember, everything is shot on location. So uh, yeah. I believe they used maybe a little bit of some other European cities. They kind of like... So it, it was filmed in cities, but not always Paris. So I think they used Prague a little bit sometimes. They kind of fleshed some other cities in there. Maybe Vienna, I think. They threw some things in there to make it look like it was. Especially when you're walking through some of these streets. Yeah. And it's not that evident. Speaking of which, we went to Prague and Vienna earlier this year. And oh yeah, Max we... and I did what... We, we went there, so it was really cool. Uh, Unfortunately, we didn't get to see uh, any of the locations, I believe. No. Um, but if you guys do have the money and time, yeah. go right ahead and feel free to leave a comment on how it was. And Yeah, definitely. So whatever. we'll leave a link to the site. It's really cool. I've shown yeah. it to you before, obviously. But yeah, I mean, if you are a film fan and you've got some extra time in your hands, uh, take your family or, or, or take a friend and go go to some of these cities and you can see the young indie th- places there. Uh, some of them are just obviously like 
shots that were just included in the episode. Others are actual places that he goes. Some are more memorable than others. So like if there's a there's a spot in some of the episodes, um, it it'll be you'll see more places as we go on. But and definitely check that out. And some shots are uh, actually in the city, but they were a painted backdrop, so you may not see the. Same oh, that's thing. true. That's true. That that was cool. So you also learn a lot of cool stuff about Young Indy. Um, so th there's actually a lot of young indie content online if you guys are interested in checking it out. Yeah, just search um, Google, basically. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's there's more than you think. There's a community of people out there who like the show and like the music and things like that, so keep that in mind. Yeah, definitely. And then so, then they go to this restaurant. Yes, and they see paintings. And they see paintings, and basically, Pablo Picasso, a young Pablo Picasso, who, he looks pretty much like Picasso. He looks yeah. pretty similar. Um, and Which I think, very and again, it's, it's, it's hard to it's hard to kind of get these historical figures and but I think he did a nice job and like that's how I would have envisioned Picasso actually yeah that's I mean, that's how I kind of envisioned Picasso we I, don't I don't we believe don't, it's, it's hard to know what he was like since he lived so long ago but and because we don't really have any photographs of him only of his paintings right I believe something like that um anyway well I mean it, it's just I mean, we have photographs of him but it's just hard to kind of Imagine, imagine what he'd be, what like. be like. Just like right. it was hard to it'd be hard to imagine what Abe Lincoln would be like, or exactly. you know any other person who lived before our time. So they did a really nice job, I thought, with that. And then so, basically, Picasso is trying to make the argument that he can paint like Degas. Yes. Um, and I thought that was interesting because they were kind of disagreeing on all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so Picasso was like, "I can paint like you. You know, I'm original. I can do my own stuff." But I can paint like you, you know? Right. So I thought that was kind of an interesting idea. And so, speaking of which, I wanted to talk about the title, Passion for Life. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a play on words almost, because um, the whole passion for life in the first half, obviously, with trying to mm -hmm. save all the animals and things like that, and the passion for life here with more of a uh, creative, artistic kind of idea on the whole passion for life title. So mm -hmm. if you'll, you'll notice that as we go through, like, usually the titles... Right. Usually the titles have are these two episodes are grouped together as yeah. so they feel like they are almost the same episode even yeah. though they were originally different halves. Yeah. And you know after that after they're arguing for a little while in the restaurant and stuff like that they go back and see Picasso's paintings. Right, and this is after Norman Rockwell kind of speaks up. He's like, "Hey, yeah. Let me you know, let me see this." And he's like, "Let me see this for myself." You right, know, and, like you know you know, and then he's like, you know, Degas can paint. He's a great painter. And, you know, they kind of get in an argument. And, yeah. and you know, Norman Rockwell's like, we got to go see Picasso. And, and, and Indy was actually like, I got to go back to Miss Seymour. And, of course, Norman Rockwell is like, forget about Miss Seymour. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, screw her. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was funny. Yeah, um, they, yeah they, so they just keep going. Meanwhile, Miss Seymour sleeping and has no clue where oh, yeah. Indy is going. Oh, no, yeah. No one knows where Indy is. Right. Um, Indy, Indy will be on the, on the other side of the world in Avenger. No one will know where he is. So then he goes and sees Picasso's paintings uh, at his studio, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, meanwhile, Miss Seymour finally comes to and is like, Indy is still missing at this point. Right. Right, because he's at Picasso and, they, and he's seeing his studio, right? Right, so the, the thing about Picasso is he takes... Uh, figures and images uh, of people and basically he s basically sees it in a different way so you know Indian um, Rockwell are like well what is it? He's like well you have to you know use your interpretation right. to see what it is so 
he makes different things, different shapes and things like that. And then Picasso now talked about interpretation. Right, and then as he's there, Indy, or not Indy, sorry, Indy doesn't paint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Picasso shows him that he can paint like Degas. Right. So he paints the whole thing, and then Norman Rockwell sh sees one of Picasso's originals, and he draws it himself. Norman yeah. Rockwell, and he gets it signed by Picasso. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, and, and that's one of the things I felt like that kind of dragged on this episode. Like, I, it wasn't really about Indy until the end scene, you know, when we had right. that big thing at the end. Because it was like, oh, oh, okay, great. You know, like, what? You, I feel like it was almost the kind of thing where, like, I was like, well, this is interesting, but, like, I'm here to watch Indy. You know what I mean? Right. So and it was kind of a disappointment. I mean, the scene does eventually turn back to Indy because Indy goes back to the hotel after right. who knows how many hours of him being I know, bored. right? Gosh. Miss Seymour's like, where have you been? And like right. all this other stuff. And mm -hmm. then he goes to bed and then he escapes once more. Right, that's like, right. Climbing out of his window. And then he's running kind of rampant on the rooftops trying to, I believe, find Norman again. Right, well, because um, as we continue on... Um, well, before he gets punished and he can't go out. Right. So he does all his studies all day. And, he, and then this well, I thought was pretty cool. Miss Seymour obviously puts him to bed. And he climbs out of his room on the rooftops, which was actually pretty cool. But it was it was scary. He almost fell to his death. I mean, gosh, like on that one like gutter thing, mm -hmm. he almost fell. And then oh, no. he goes to the place is called Café Le Lapin. Ah. Uh, so that's where they go. I made sure I wrote that down. And then so they're at this like party thing and Indy and Norman are there. It was at 9 p.m. And Miss Seymour is like, where is he? So, and she notices the little slip that came out of his book, mm -hmm. you know, at, that says, you know, Café Lapin uh, at 9 p.m. And so she goes there and at first, and I, I thought this was so funny. Uh, you know, they're going through and that guy is telling the story, remember? Right. Inside the cafe. I forgot about right? that. Right, about the ghost, the witch thing or whatever. Yeah. And meanwhile... Guess who opens the door? Miss Seymour. Seymour. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I knew this was going down for the start. And uh. then so she sees, obviously, some of his paintings, and she's like, wow. And she, oh, right, she gets the painting from Picasso. Right. And she loves it. And so she just forget. And she's like, oh, well, Indy was, like, running away for two days. Forget it. Yeah, right. <laughs> for, like. Forget it. And then th this is where we kind of get to this ending scene mm -hmm. where Indy kind of gets involved. So they're at that restaurant, and uh, there's that guy there who wants to buy the paintings. Mm -hmm. And it was, I believe it was the painting in which Picasso drew um, that was like Degas. Yes, I believe so. Right, and so they're trying to get him to sell that, and then Indy gets involved and says, Hey, you want this? And he shows the guy, the one that Norman Rockwell did, right. of Picasso stuff that was signed just by Picasso. And, you know, there was the whole debacle about who signed this, who signed that, right? Um, and all that. And then Indy, Indy makes some big change from this sale, uh, my friend. He gets Picasso like a thousand bucks, basically. Right. And so he gives Norman Rockwell the 50, or the 500, and then he gives Picasso the other 500. And then Picasso grabs Indy, throws him on his arms, and, you know... Uh, it's we, basically a big glorious ending. Right. So th that was cool that Indy was the one who really negotiated and got the... Yeah, I guess you could say he saved the day. Oh my gosh, he <laughs> saved the day. Great. Um, but yeah, and then so of course his, his parents come back, they talk all about you know, the paintings and things. And yeah. then uh, one thing we forgot to mention last time is I like how it fades away to black and white yes. as the credits roll. I really like that. And they have the nice music there, the sound effects kind of 
go out and it's all nice faded away really nicely so i like that a lot um i thought it was really really cool yeah and so um anything else we want to add to this episode no i mean it was final a, thoughts it was a great chapter in my opinion um, yeah i think they did a really nice job with it they i mean this what i in my opinion this this episode is a bit better than my first adventure my first adventure it's a classic it's the first episode right but I think this one has a bit more interesting things to it, personally. Specifically, what do you think? Well, I think, I mean, it's the second part is a little bit more action-packed. Right. Because, I mean, if you remember my first adventure, they're basically the entire second part is Indy being a slave, captured, and right. then being sold. As this, they see they're meeting There's Norman, moving parts to it. Meeting Norman Rockwell, Picasso... So, so you like the historical figure part? Yeah, a bunch. There's. A I, I liked it as well. I think from a historical standpoint, I think again, I think George Lucas did a nice job with this one. Um, and, however, I will say, I, I feel like, um, this is just my personal opinion. I'm interested to hear what you guys think, but, in my personal opinion, I think this one kind of slacked when looking at the quality of my first adventure. I think my first adventure it felt just like an indie adventure to me. It really, really did, and I love that Indy kind of learned things for himself. He kind of took charge of some of the situations, whereas here, Indy was just kind of learning stuff. He met historical events and all that, and that's cool. I love it. Uh, I think it was a really nice job. The music, uh, Lawrence Rosenthal and the other composers did a nice job. Just overall, I felt like this one, um, to me, wasn't as fun as my first adventure. But, um, yeah, yeah. so that's that. Um, This is basically wraps up our review of chapter two passion for life of the young indiana jones chronicles also known as the adventure of young indiana jones uh in case you want to follow along with us every week and watch you can watch on amazon prime um, or buy the dvd box sets volumes one two and three contain all 22 episodes plus hundreds of extras documentaries games and things and they're also available on youtube some of them they're all kind of mixed in order and not in the best quality but if you're in a bind you can watch them there as well. So um, one thing I did want to mention as well is um, something uh, that you guys may have wondered from my first adventure and from this episode is that we don't have a theme song for this podcast. And we're doing something a little bit creative uh, in which we're going to give a quote, something that's powerful or meaningful or kind of a hilarious one-liner from the show, uh-huh. and then play a track of Young Indie Music. We are yes. huge fans of the score it's very underrated. Uh, we're eventually going to tackle this score, talk about it, break it down, what's released, what's not released. Um, there's some CDs on eBay. We won't get into a lot of the details right now, but we really love it. Um, so again, there is a disclaimer. We don't own any of the rights to the music, but uh, the one from My First Adventure, what you heard uh, was the Young Indiana Jones alternate theme. It was kind of a jazzy theme. Uh, that was composed by Lawrence Rosenthal. And then what you just heard today uh, was Arrival in Paris, uh, which is featured on the volume one CD and is also used in a later episode as well as this one. So that one was composed uh, by Joel McNeely, one of the other composers. Um, So uh, we'll always mention the track that we play uh, just in case you guys are curious as to what we're listening to. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so we'll be back uh, in a few days. Uh, Obviously, as we mentioned before, uh, this is a weekly podcast, uh, but if Max and I have extra time on our hands, in which we can get together and record. We'll always sprinkle in a few more episodes if we can. So for the next few weeks, we have some extra time on our hands. So we'll throw in some more episodes for you guys. So we'll be back soon with Chapter 3, The Perils of Cupid, and then the week after uh, with um, Chapter 4, Travels with Father. And then we'll start talking about some other stuff and then kind of uh, 
slowly go through all the other episodes kind of one by one um, as we look at some of the other things. Yeah, once again, I'm Max. And I'm Will. And, and until, until next, next time, time, so long, Dr. Dr. Jones. Jones.